Hi, this is basketball insider Jeff Goodman. Thanks for listening to the Crown Reps Podcast. Serve the game. You are listening to the Crown Reps Podcast, the audio experience for basketball officials. 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 Serve the game. Crown Refs is excited to present you with a 20% discount on all your uniform needs for this upcoming 2019-2020 season. The offer has been provided by RefereeStore.com. Enter coupon code BASKETBALL at checkout. They sell Schmitty gear, they offer free exchanges and free returns, and $5 flat rate shipping. At RefereeStore.com, we know that being a referee is not just a job, it's a lifestyle. That's why we make it easy for you to find the right referee shirts, pants, and accessories for your game. Log on to RefereeStore.com and enter basketball at checkout to get your 20% discount today. Crown Refs and the RefereeStore.com, serving the game. Crown Refs Podcast, episode 51. We're bringing on a different kind of guest today. His name is Jeff Goodman. He's a basketball insider, works for Stadium, former ESPN employee, covers college and NBA basketball, knows hoops inside and out. I thought it would be good to bring on a person of the media to provide a little bit different of a perspective. Um, Jeff's a super cool dude, and he's hilarious. So I hope you enjoy. Have a great day. Who's the most influential sports writer in the game today? Mm, boy, the most influential. You know, here's, here's the problem I think we have. Okay, so I think you've got, in journalism, I think you've got one end of people who just want to be heard and just want attention and just want to come out with these resounding opinions uh, to get clicks or get attention. And I think you've got another uh, set of people a lot of insiders at every sport who are going to basically buy information. And and by that, I mean, they want access, they want other information. So they're not going to tell the truth about the information that they put out there. So I feel like journalism has changed, not for the better, not for the better to whereas very few people are honest with the information they put out, because again, they're worried about either the backlash or the fact that they're not going to get more info or they're not going to get more access. So they can't tell it the way it really is. So there aren't that many people I feel like I can watch and actually gain valuable information from. I love I love Charles Barkley. I do. Because I, I know I'm getting real shit. I don't always agree with him, but I know he doesn't give a you-know-what about what other people think. And And the great thing about Barkley is he can he can be a little bit crazy on TV, whatever. You meet that dude in person. Like, I met him. I'll give you a great story. So I show up at a party in Atlanta at the Final Four. Somebody texted me from ESPN. I was at ESPN at the time, and they said, so, producer, come on over. Uh, there's some party in the back of this bar. Tony Romo's here, a bunch of other people, you know, ESPN people, Barkley, all these, you know, everybody's here. So I walk over. It was probably my like third year at ESPN or something like that. And I walk in and, uh, and instantly Barkley comes up and introduces himself and says, I love what you do. And I'm like looking like, all right, who put him up to this? It's got to be a joke. Like, again, I, I was a Sixers fan growing up or Andrew Tony fan. And, 
And I thought, honestly, I still think it's like one of the coolest moments of my career. Like, why would Charles Barkley have any idea who the hell I am? Um, And ever since, he's a guy that if I text him, if I see him, like, like I'll be walking down the street at a Final Four, and he'll be driving by in his limo or whatever, you know, driving somewhere, and he'll, like, yell out the window, like, good men. And, like, just a great regular dude who would do anything for you uh, and no pretense. So, I guess I'm a little bit biased with Barkley, but ultimately I love him because there's no BS with him. Doug Gottlieb, same way. No BS. They don't care. Are they going to be wrong? Sure. But that's kind of how I am too. Like, I'm going to say it the way it is. Will I be wrong at times? Absolutely. But it's not going to be for a lack of gaining information. I just feel like too many people, again, sell out for information now. We have a lot of officials that are listening in that are looking to one day move up and work a high level. Could you just tell me about your career as a basketball insider and what it took for you to move up in your field? Yeah, it was honestly a lot of luck, a lot of breaks. You know, I I interviewed James Worthy when I was 13, so I kind of knew what I wanted to do. uh, But, you know, got lucky, was assertive enough, and I wasn't like the most aggressive, outgoing kid in the world, but I got lucky. I, I, I got James Worthy to... Uh, do an interview, even though it was, you know, with a 13-year-old boy who whose voice hadn't even changed yet. Uh, I had to record it on my dad's answer machine, which beeped every two seconds. So uh, give James Worthy a lot of credit for actually doing that interview. And then, you know, I, I started freelancing for a bunch of different newspapers, um, making no money. But, you know, when I went to school out of Arizona, I would drive to LA and cover teams back East that didn't want to send people or couldn't afford to send people uh, out for those games, whether it was a wooden, whatever it was. Um, and then just kind of found my way into recruiting and, uh, and did that. And I was working for scout when Fox bought scout. And I think it was like 2006. I begged the college basketball editor to let me write a column um, once a week for $50. So he let me, and then the next two years I covered both recruiting and college. Um, and then went from doing that, uh, hired by CBS. I was there for a couple of years with Gary Parrish and, uh, buddies, uh, Jeff Borzello, Matt Norlander. We had a great group there. I'm an awesome, um, had a blast and I never would have left if ESPN hadn't come calling never. And, uh, but it was hard. Like, how do you say no to ESPN when they come calling, especially when you're a guy that like, I never got into this to get on TV. Like I got into this as a writer and ESPN comes calling, they pay a lot more and the opportunity to see if I'm any good or maybe not on TV and man, I was, (laughs) Oh God, I was terrible. I mean, everybody, my, my wife used to be like, you know, try to get that deer in your headlights look off your face. Like when, when they come to you, especially doing sideline, like I was fine on sports center because then it's just talking. You're just talking to somebody. They're asking you a question. And a lot of the anchors are great, whether it's, you know, my guy, Scott Van Pelt, Kevin Agande. I felt comfortable with those guys, but man, sideline, it's hard. It's hard. It's not a lot of fun. Um, so I did that. And then I uh, left ESPN uh, after a, a tough fifth year in which uh, I was sent to Lithuania uh, to cover a couple knucklehead kids and and their father. Um, And then was also uh, told not to report on the FBI uh, scandal by a couple people at ESPN. It was just a tough year. So I went to a company called Stadium, where I'm at now, 
that is kind of a, a mini ESPN, but they're they're multi-platform. They stream. They're 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 geared more towards the younger generation, and uh, and they give me kind of full autonomy to do uh, whatever I want, however I want, um, whenever I want. So it, it's it's nice at the stage of my career that I'm in to have somebody that it just kind of lets me be me, which is really the way it was when I was at Fox, the way I, when I was at CBS and then at ESPN, it was, it was kind of different because on one hand I didn't have a boss. So you think I could do whatever I wanted, but it's not like I can go to every game. Like I didn't go to champions classic a few years. I didn't go to the big games because they had other people there. So it was just it was a little bit tougher at, at ESPN for various reasons, especially that, that the last year. Well, that interview you did in Lithuania, I thank you for because I haven't heard of that guy since. No, I know. I you know it's funny. So I, I went up, and it was one of those things where if I'd spent a bunch of time with Lavar before, but like an hour, two hours at a clip, and which is fine. He's entertaining. He's funny. Whatever. I, I can be an idiot too. But then when they sent me to Lithuania, it was like, all right, 10 days. And I knew right away. I'm like, 10 days with this dude. This probably ain't going to go well. So it, it didn't. And at the very end, I remember uh, I got fed up with them after their first game. And uh, and I basically told uh, their uh, his guy, who has who since Alan Foster, remember he was like the one that was taking money from him, um, from LeVar and has been since fired. I would just went off. I went off on him after the game and the producer for ESPN came up to me afterwards and I dropped a few F-bombs on him and the producer comes up to me. He's like, Hey, you know, like the Facebook show, it's here. Like they got all that on everywhere. I said, I don't, I don't care. I'm done with them now. I'm done. And, uh, and I haven't <laughs> spoken to LeVar since. And I just hope the younger one, uh, LaMelo, who's super talented. I, I hope this year him playing overseas, he can kind of, you know, get his act together. Um, be coachable, learn to defend a little bit, and uh, and just, like, be coached because he's got a world of talent. Just to give you a little background, the Crown Rest Podcast is a podcast for basketball officials. We try to promote the craft of officiating in a positive way and be sort of uh, like an ambassador for the game. And I stress positive because there's so much negative energy aimed at officials in all directions. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think... Honestly, part of it is that officials are people don't know who they are. I, I think that's the biggest problem with all this is like I get a chance to know these guys, right? I know how hard they work. I know what they are as human beings. The average fan, they don't know who they are. They don't even know the names of a lot of these guys. So it's easy to hammer them. It's easy for a lot of media people to hammer them because they aren't given and, and my access with them is actually random. A lot of times it's I'm out after a game at the same place they're out. I'm staying at the same place where we're at a bar together uh, talking. It's, you know, before a game, you know, running into a, a Roger Ayers in, in uh, before a Marshall game last year and having a chance to talk to him for 15 minutes. It's I get that opportunity to know some of these guys. And what quality people they are, whether it's Mike Eads and, and Roger or Bo Borowski or whoever, Mike Stevens, all these dudes, other people don't. So they're an easy target. I say this all the time, you know, like, like if you don't know somebody, it's easier to hammer them. If you know them, 
yeah, the human element comes into play. That's just natural. So I, I tell people this all the time, like, go try to do their jobs. Go try for a day to do their jobs. Um, I can't do it. It's hard for me sometimes when I'm watching from home and I've got the, the, the benefit of, of slow-mo replay. I still can't get these damn calls right. And they got to do it in real time. Come on. Yeah, so it's just a lack of empathy, not knowing how hard of a job we have. It seems like everybody thinks they could do a better job than us. Everybody, everybody. It's so stupid. And again, I think part of it, and I go back to this, is, you know, they got to change the system too, okay? They got to change the system so guys aren't working, you know, 14, 15 straight days in different states and all that. And I understand it now because if I was a ref, I, I wouldn't give up the money either. If I could work every day, I'd work every day. And and coaches tell me all the time, they'd rather have the elite guys even on the 14th out of 14 days. And I get that. Yeah. But why are we even having the elite guys on 14 or 13 out of 14? Why isn't the NCAA forking over some money, paying for, uh, you know, health insurance, and then having one person, one assigner? Why can't this be done? I mean, how hard is it? to figure out a, a system, a computer system, to make it so there's one assigner assigning everybody, and it makes sense from, okay, you got a game at Kentucky today. In two days, there's another game at Louisville. Okay, well, the guy at Kentucky is going to do that game at Louisville. Listen, I would not want to be an assigner. It is a, I know. It is a, a tedious get it. job. So have somebody like me be the assigner. I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't care about pissing people <laughs> off. I, I would just do it for the no. betterment of the game. And the fact of the matter is you want all the games to be officiated as well as possible. And to me, and you know this better than me, so I'll throw it back at you. But if, if, you're, if you're officiating 10 straight days and you're running around, I know you can get there and you can take naps and, and whatnot. But still, I'm 47. The travel affects me. I will say the travel affects me now. It it's way different than it was at 37. So doesn't it affect you and you're younger than me? So maybe it doesn't. Uh, listen, uh, ten, if you were to tell me I could work 10 straight days right now, I would sign up for that. I know what you mean by, you know, the travel yeah. aspect. I'm talking like locally, but maybe 10 straight days of hopping on four or five planes might, I might get a, give you a different answer. Yeah. I mean, that's my only take. It's like, we just, you want the game to be at, at its highest level. You want players, you want coaches, you want officials to all be at their peak. And I just don't know how you can be at your peak on 14 out of 14. That's all. You covered a lot of basketball in your time. When a controversial call happens, let's say to end a game, what is the role of, of the media and how is it usually covered? I'll usually, a lot of times I'll reach out to another official and get their take because I want to get their point of view. If they're watching it, even if they haven't, if they can get the replay and watch it. And I want to make sure I'm on the same page before I start tweeting out some shit that I might be wrong on. Because that's smart. Of I me. don't know every rule. I don't know. You know, some stuff I, I feel comfortable. But to me, again, you want to get as much information as you can. Uh, and who knows it better than, than somebody who's been in that position. So uh, oftentimes on a, on a big time, con and I've learned this. Like this isn't something I, I knew 15 years ago when I started. But now it's like, all right, I get in the Twitter universe, we've got a comment, right? And most people, you got to comment right away. Well, that's a, mis that's a mistake. That's a mistake on anything. 
whether it's commenting on a bad call, whether it's commenting on anything else that happens right away, you want to make sure you have correct info. It's being first. Sure. It's important, but being right is way more important. Now, as far as the information getting to you, is it, is it your job and all the other analysts and commentators job to just, you know, fact find themselves and, and find out as much information about the rules or is there some kind of communication with the NCA and or the NBA every year? I mean, we, you know, you got the rule book and, and uh, JD Collins and, and before that, John Adams, they, they used to come in and present to ESPN when I was there. So you, you get some of that with the rules changes, but that it's short. I mean, it's, you know, you're talking a half hour, an hour. Um, so that's why, again, there's a lot of rules that, that we don't know. So I think it, like anything, you want to have people that are experts in whatever field it is, whether it's somebody at the NCAA for NCAA rules, whether it's somebody, uh, an official um, for officiating rules, whatever it is, coaches that you can call for something that happens. Again, my take is like, I just, I have my own opinion, but oftentimes it's wrong. And and I want somebody to be able to bounce something off of to say, hey, you know what? I think this one. And I may still be steadfast in the fact that, hey, listen, I believe in this, uh, but I at least want to hear somebody else's take to feel a little bit better before putting out my opinion. Thanks for that. I just wanted to get a perspective of somebody who's on the other side of the camera. Another question for you. What do you think of the way most NBA superstars conduct themselves oh. towards the officials? Oh, like, shit. I hate it. That's one of the, the coolest things about really covering and watching college in the NBA. Okay. In college, it's the coaches who act like children. In the NBA, it's the players who act like children. And it's all about the college coaches. We know that. It's all about them. It's their program. We're in the NBA. These dudes don't shut the hell up. They don't <laughs> shut up. And, and again, I'll equate it to the coaches in college. I don't know how refs can do their jobs well when these guys are chirping and want to talk all the time. Now, players at least will do it during breaks, generally. You'll get it when somebody's at the line. That's generally when the, the superstar player goes up and, and talks to the, the, the refs, whatever. But in, in college – these coaches don't shut up. The game's going on. They want to talk. It's like, enough, enough. But, but again, and now I think it's trickled down, right, where NBA players are doing it. So now you got some college players doing it. And I think it's only going to get worse because it's a copycat thing, right? Like, and I think it's going to be the same type of thing where in 10 years, if we don't curb this thing, you're going to have high school players talking back to, to, to refs. And that's just not right. But, you know, even even a Jason Tatum here in Boston, who I, I know, I love, he's super respectful, great kid, super kid. But, man, like, you, you watch him now, and he'll complain, he'll put his arms up, he'll want that call and, and make it clear he didn't get that call or he didn't think he got that call. Instead, just go out and play ball. Go out and play. I always say, listen, DeMarcus Cousins and Kendrick Perkins never got a damn call. Why? And they never will. DeMarcus's case and Kendrick's done because they, they didn't shut the hell up. They didn't stop whining and complaining and yelling and their body language sucked. Fake it. Just fake it. How hard is it to fake it? It's a bad call. I get it. Go up to the ref and just say, hey, man, slap him. Hey, you missed that one. I think you missed that one. Whatever. Like, you guys are human. You're human. Like, 
have a relationship. Don't they realize like being nice is going to go further. DeMarcus Cousins is never going to get a call ever the rest of his career. And there's definitely a trickle down effect, as you said, all the way down to, to youth sports and to see the lack of sportsmanship on that level. You know, people don't treat refs with respect. So people see that and they feel like they can act that way. Like it, it's just BS. It's BS. Is this something that's kind of always been the same or you think it's gotten worse? Over worse. Time? Way worse. Way worse. I mean, every every NBA superstar now doesn't shut the hell up about it. And again, every not every ref. I mean, not every college coach. Um, but a lot of them, a lot. I mean, just watch like, watch like, I mean, there's just so many of these guys that just can't stop. Just let the refs do their job. They're going to make mistakes. They're human. Like, understand that, understand that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I did something a few years ago. I was going to run this. I didn't do it. And I still kind of want it. So I pulled a college coaches on their favorite refs to deal with and to work. Basically, they're, they're the best refs and then the 10 worst refs. I have it from probably three, four years ago. I was going to run it, and I decided not to. I don't even know why. I, I think I just didn't want to call out bad refs, to be honest, which, which is very unlike me because generally I'll do both and I don't worry about it. But I just felt like it was kind of unfair because you guys get enough shit. Why call out? But I, I should have done the 10 best. But I, I agree. I but agree. It's a, Do the 10 best. An, leave the 10 worst It's out. an inexact science, though. It is hard because so many coaches would tell me what made, a, a, what made somebody for them one of the top officials was just the ability to talk to them. And I'm like, I get it. That's like a part of it. But that, that shouldn't be the, the first thing that you say. The first thing that should be is, is – accuracy and how good they are. And then again, it is obviously the ability to talk, but like I kind of go back to like these coaches don't shut the hell up. They want to talk all the time. And I just don't know how an official can do the best possible job when somebody is talking to them while they're trying to do their job the whole time. It's funny. No one's ever asked a ref for a, a top 10 coaches list. And if a ref were to put out a top 10 coaches list, you think anybody would respect how we um, evaluate a coach. I would love to do that. Now I thought about doing that list too, you know, polling 50 reps of who your, who your favorite coaches are and who the guys are. You just don't want to see be awesome. Crown Refs Podcast is brought to you by Neat Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to NeatTucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. Every year I try to break who the, the, the officials are in the NCAA tournament, and the NCAA has gotten wind of that the last few years and, and kind of gotten it out on their own but every year before that it was one of the things that i would try to do is break who the uh, who the officials were but the last i think i'm like oh for my last two so i gotta i gotta get going here this year and, and, and try to try to do it again if you wanted to access an official like after a game let's say are they available for comment what's the process yeah, it sucks it sucks i mean no it does like it's you know for like tournament good let's games. make it hard for you guys yeah it was well, just like you know 
sometimes they'll they'll if it's a you know a questionable call or something like in the NCAA tournament you have like a pool reporter that they can talk and, and maybe talk to the the official but I think in a regular game there's no access there's nothing um, you know the, the the league will put out a statement or something like that but that I mean that again goes back to the lack of of human element in all this to me there should be somebody that is available for comment after every game if we need a comment. Like, you're doing your job. Like, like we want to know for our own accuracy purposes of if, if there's a debatable call at the end, what did you see? What was the rule? Rather than having to wait, like, why not have somebody available, whoever the crew chief, you know, the chief is at the end of the game, why not have them available if somebody wants to hear something from them? They go in a room and whatever – Whoever wants to go in that room, media-wise, and, and hear about it, can get the explanation. Like, what is so wrong about that? I just feel like there should be something towards that. And, and, and again, I, I think a poor job is done of access between media and officials. And I think if media had more access to, to some of these guys, they'd be more apt to, to, to be more humanizing towards them i am again i am because i've i've drank beers with with a lot of these guys so i get it and i see them all over the country but i think a lot of people have probably never even sat down and got a chance to talk to some of these guys and and understand like they're regular dudes regular dudes who like want to have a beer and fly all over the country and are trying to make a living and have a second job when they're not officiating and it's it's kind of a thankless job in many respects. Yeah, I mean, besides the NBA refs and, and a small percentage of top college officials, this is this is our second job. Just want to take a quick break to tell you that we have whistles available. They are Fox 40, custom made with the Crown Refs logo on it. We have them available in Classic or CMG, which is the cushion tip. For details, hit me up on any platform you consume the Crown Refs content on or at crownrefs at gmail.com. We'd be honored if you wore it. So who's the most interesting uh, coach to cover? Oh, boy, the most interesting coach to cover. Uh, boy, college, 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 good college. All right, so. Like Bob Huggins is great to have a beer with. Like just the, listening to the stories. I, I love hugs. I, I just love being around them. Um, there's no bullshit with him. Ed Cooley of Providence, high, high level, high level, always upbeat, fun. Uh, he just kind of gets it. Bobby Hurley, give me a Hurley any day of the week. They're the most sarcastic uh MFers around and and again you know the the entertainment factor if you get two Hurleys together they're awesome it. so th- those are a couple guys off the top of my head I'm trying to think who else is super entertaining uh, fun th- those are a couple guys I can throw out there other ones but those are a couple that's just kind of stand out as, as guys that you kind of want to be around and, and just kind of hang out with. Who's your favorite NBA ref? You know, obviously like Joey Crawford was a guy, you know, love watching. 
Um, I, I don't, I just don't know him well enough. I, I guess maybe, maybe Scott Foster would mm-hmm. be the guy now that I would probably say. A recent Crown Rest podcast guest. Good answer. Thanks for listening. Please go share this with a fellow official. Make sure you subscribe, and it would also mean the world to me if you left a review on Apple Podcast. Have a great day. Crown Ruffs.